Welcome to the Dare to Multiply podcast. On this podcast, we help passionate Jesus followers become courageous, obedient disciples who impact their communities for the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Cynthia Anderson, a disciple multiplication coach and trainer. I'm going to show you how to make and multiply disciples in your area. God's got great things ahead for you. Let's dare to multiply. To be talking about the difference between individual disciple making and group disciple making, and what are some of the advantages to being more group oriented in how we make disciples. Now, a lot of us who may be from the West, we are not familiar with group disciple making or group discipleship. And yet many of the people we're trying to reach do come from a community orientation. So how do we balance this individual disciple making, personal relationship with Christ aspect with how to disciple people in groups. And what did Jesus do about that? We'll be talking about that today. So we'll be right back in just a moment for this this episode. I know you're gonna enjoy this. Are you busy but not seeing the fruit you long for? Dissatisfied with your present level of impact on those around you? Or frustrated with traditional methods of discipleship that don't seem to be effective? If so, the Getting Started in Disciple-Making Movements course may be just what you need. Inside the Getting Started program, you'll get access to a step-by-step proven approach to making and multiplying disciples. Not only will you receive 25 short and practical video teachings spread out over six modules, but you'll have a chance to connect with others for group coaching via our monthly Zoom calls, and even more importantly, you'll become part of a global community of like-minded people from all over the world who are passionately committed to following Jesus and impacting others around them. If you want to get unstuck and begin moving forward as a disciple who makes disciples, I encourage you to go to courses.dmmsfrontiermissions.com and sign up for this powerful program today. And now to today's episode. Because today I'm going to be talking about this question of should we disciple people as individuals or should we disciple them in groups? What's more effective if we want to see lots and lots of disciples multiplying in our area? And we always look first to the word of God and what the word of God says. So the book of Acts is a great example out of 21 quote unquote, conversions or people who made a decision in the book of Acts to follow Jesus. How many of them do you think were individual conversions? It is only two. 19 of them were in were group decisions. They were groups of people who together made the decision to follow Jesus. Only two were individual decisions. Now, who do you think those two are? Who were the two in the book of Acts who made individual decisions to follow Jesus? One was the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus where he had this vision of Jesus and he he became a follower of Jesus in an individual decision. And then we have also the Ethiopian eunuch who meets Philip on the road and he makes a decision to follow Jesus. He looks and says, there's water and he decides to take baptism right there on the spot. And he makes an individual decision to follow Jesus. Every other time in the book of Acts, as we look at what happened, it was not a single individual 
but it was a group of people choosing at the same time together to become followers of Jesus. So what does that, what does that say to us or how does that inform us in our disciple making approaches? Well, the first thing is it it tells us that it's totally okay <laughs> to make a decision as a group right? We see so much evidence of this in scripture and not only in the book of Acts. As we look at the gospels, we also see this as well. And as disciple makers, so many times we are really orientated to just look at the individual and we want people to make an individual decision, a personal decision to receive Jesus. And there's some merit to that. I mean, um, I, I see why people want that. They want people to own that personally and individually. Um, but what, what really is the situation here is that much of the evangelism strategies, discipleship strategies that have been exported around the world were created by Westerners and I might even say by Americans. And I happen to be an American, though I've lived in Asia most of my adult life, and I was born and raised in Africa, so I don't know how much of an American I am, though my passport says I'm an American. But um, a lot of American culture has come over in the way that we do disciple making and the way that we do evangelism. And we've actually kind of exported American culture into our evangelism approaches, which we now use in Africa, we use in Asia, and we use in the Middle East and all over the world. And it's a very individualistic approach to making disciples and to multiplying disciples. And there are much faster, better ways if we want to see a whole region reached with the kingdom of God. And I think we've established that a lot of cultures in the world are group decision oriented. They make decisions naturally in their culture as a group, as a family unit, as a community. That's the way their cultures are oriented. Uh, but our American culture, if you're an American watching, uh, American culture tends to be very individualistic. Um, we have a high, high value for individual rights and individual freedom. And that's kind of part of the ethos in our culture. And that's it's not a bad thing in our culture. It's been something that has um, promoted human rights, individual human rights around the world and some positive things. So I'm not dissing or putting down my own culture uh, for being individualistic. It is what it is. But we need to be careful in our disciple making that we don't carry our culture into the way we're making disciples in an automatic kind of way. And instead, we want to evaluate and look at what is really the most effective way, <clears throat> excuse me, to reach the people that God has called me to reach. And um, we're going to talk a little bit later about uh, if you are an American reaching Caucasian Americans in a suburb or something like that, who are very individualistic, what do you do about that? And how does this apply to that? But Brazil, it's a it's a community-oriented culture. They're, they uh, they love to be with other people and in groups and be together in groups. And so most Latino cultures, um, South and Central America, most cultures of Africa and Asia are community cultures, not individualistic cultures. So um, we need to 
look at that as we are making disciples and be aware of of that dynamic that people don't usually in their normal world make decisions alone they usually make decisions together with others in their family network in their friend network especially when it's an important decision or a costly decision which following Jesus is. It's an important decision and it's a costly decision. And so we want to encourage people to make this decision together with others. Now, how do you do that? When you're sharing the gospel with somebody, you want to ask them. You don't want to push for a sinner's prayer right there then with them. If they're showing interest, you want to say, is there anyone else who you think would be interested to hear this message that we could talk to together or to study God's word together with? Would you like to invite someone? And we could look at some Bible stories together next week and and, and look at them. So you want to invite other people into that conversation and have that as your uh, your standard modus operandi, if you want to call it that, your standard way of operating and functioning is to invite others to join the conversation immediately as you're talking to people. Um, as soon as you're having a, maybe you're not having an individual conversation, but you're aware of the other people who are present in that person's life or sometimes even present in the room. I know when I was working in India and living in India, you almost never talk to somebody alone. <laughs> there were always people. It's such a populated country. There were always people around listening in. Um, you know, if you were talking to them in a tea shop, you know, maybe there's other people who are sitting there listening to the conversation or the story that you're telling. If you're in a home, there's usually someone else present or in the other room who's hearing the conversation. Don't just leave them out. Invite them into the conversation and in to also listen to the message and be part of that. And you're going to find that you're able to see much more rapid multiplication if you're group oriented in the way that you're reaching out to people rather than being in pushing only for an individual decision for Christ. But let's look for a minute at scripture and just think about that. What did Jesus do? Did he invite individuals to follow him or did he invite people as groups? So um, I want us to look at a passage, which is um, a passage I love. It's probably one of my favorite in the Bible. It's Luke chapter five. And I have been in this passage. There's so many lessons to be gained from this. But we particularly want to look at it in light of this idea of individual versus um, versus calling people as groups to follow Jesus. So we know the story. Peter has gone out fishing. He comes in. He hasn't caught anything. He meets Jesus. Jesus says, can you go back out and let out your net for a catch? And, and um, he obeys Jesus. He catches a ton of fish. He brings them in. And um, it's, you know, he calls his partners to help him. And in verse nine, it says, for he was awestruck by the number of fish that had, they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. I love that. He speaks to Peter directly and he speaks to him. He's speaking to Peter. You, he says, you'll be fishing for people. But then note what it says in verse 11. It says, and as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. 
So Peter is kind of the leader of this group of friends, right? He's maybe the person, the leader of their fishing business, or the, he's kind of the most outgoing, leadership-oriented guy in the group. He's the natural leader of this friend group. Um, but And so P, uh, Jesus addresses him. You might say he's the person of peace. He's the one that Jesus is talking to, but he's aware of these other people around them, uh, around Peter, and it says they together decide to follow Jesus. They they left everything and followed Jesus and became his disciples. So that's a great example, right? There's one more that I want us to look at. And again, this is a story that you all know well. It's the story of the woman at the well and uh, the Samaritan woman. And again, this is an individual conversation that he happens to have from, from whatever we know. It's just Jesus and the woman and they're talking. And it's, it begins as an individual conversation with her. He has this dialogue with the woman, asking her questions. She responds and has questions and doubts. And they, you know, they kind of go back and forth. And then what happens? It says, um, it says at the, the end of that story that she went back to her village and she says, come see the man who told me everything about myself, could he be the Messiah, right? So she's thinking about a decision to follow Jesus. Something is stirring in her heart, but what does she do? Because she's from a community-oriented culture. She goes back and she invites people who she respects in the community and others to come and hear and help her to know whether or not this is truly the Messiah, Right. And this is very normal and natural in uh, group oriented cultures. They don't make major, major decisions by themselves. They're going to call the elders. They're going to call the others in the community to come and hear and come and listen and see, could this be the person that we are to follow that we've been looking for? So as disciple makers, we want to encourage that and even invite that. Because what happens is if you lead a group of people to follow Jesus together, that group is so much stronger and the chance of their um, decision to follow Jesus sticking is so much higher. I was just talking with a, a brother who's worked around the world. His name's Frank the other day. And Frank was telling me this story that I wanted to share with you. They were working in Indonesia and which is a very, very group oriented culture. I've had the privilege of visiting Indonesia and they are very, very group oriented in the way that they think and work. Well, they were through a social media outreach, seeing about 150 to 200 people <clears throat> making decisions to follow Jesus. And that was really great. And um, then they started to notice a difference that if they would ask for an individual decision, they were seeing only about 15% of those people would be would stick, you know, they would continue over time to continue to follow Jesus, about 15%. But when they started using a group strategy where they didn't look at that person as just an individual, but they invited that person to bring a group with them to make this decision together, and that person did, they were seeing not 15%, but 85% we call it stickiness rate, you know, those people stuck, it was lasting fruit from 15% to 85% by 
moving and shifting their approach from individuals to a group. So I really want to encourage you guys when uh, when you have that opportunity and you're sharing the gospel with somebody, call forth the group. Find out who do you know? Who could you share with? Do you have a brother? Do you have a friend? Do you have a wife? Do you have a husband? Uh, who else could this story be shared with? And why don't you bring them and let's talk together next week or next time when I come to visit you. If you see them make that decision as a group, they're going to be so much stronger in their ability to stick with that decision, to face whatever persecution might come. Um, also, in this story from Indonesia, Frank told me that uh, they decided to focus on those out of the 150 on 35 people who were willing to form groups. And those 35 people within a year started 150 new discipleship groups um, that became house churches, 150 through those 35 who they had more of a group orientation in the way that they discipled them, as opposed to many, many individuals who fell away. And I think we see that, you know, around the world, people make a decision in a, in a crusade or a campaign and they raise their hand and they pray a sinner's prayer and they're sincere at the time. But it's an individual decision and they go home and they face things, you know, and different things and they don't have that stickiness. Um, and so we don't see the lasting fruit. We don't see those people becoming disciples who make disciples who make disciples. But we see conversions, but they're weak conversions um, that do not stick and do not last, which is not what we want. Right. So to the issue of individualistic cultures and I would just say that, again, though we are individualistic in our cultural uh, way of thinking, if you are able to encourage a group decision, um, what we find is that in groups, even in individualistic cultures, people are more courageous when they have the support of a group to do risky things. And in Western culture in particular, sharing your faith with others feels very risky right? It, it isn't something that we culturally normally do, talk about our faith with other people or talk about religious things. You know, we just don't do it in individualistic Western culture. So encouraging people to be willing to take that risk, to step out and share what Jesus has been doing in their life with others is much easier for them to do if they have at least two or three other friends and together they have made a decision to obey the commands of Jesus, including the command to be active in sharing their faith with others and making disciples. That, uh, that group dynamic creates much greater courage and confidence that they can do this because they're doing it together and they have support of a group. So um, even in individualistic cultures, that group dynamic or there's a word for it. Let me see if I can find it. Um, we call it the intativity principle, <laughs> which is a complicated social science word about how when we are in groups, we tend to be willing to take greater risks than when we are alone. Making disciples and sharing Jesus with those around you can be difficult. We need help to keep our faith alive as we step out to do new things. Faith to Move Mountains, stirring our faith to believe for movements among the unreached, is a 30-day devotional that will encourage your heart and build your faith. 
In it, I and my co-author, Kevin Sutter, share a scripture, a story, and a challenge each day from years of frontline experience working in tough places. Like I said, making disciples can be hard, progress is often slow, and breakthroughs seem distant. This devotional will kickstart your faith for a movement of disciples in your area. Grab a copy on Amazon.com today. About the benefits of discipling people in groups, how Jesus often discipled people in groups. He called groups to follow him rather than only calling individuals. Now, that's not to say that individuals aren't valuable and important. They are. But we need to look for ways to call the group together, to invite the oikos or the group of people who that person we're sharing with is associated with, to invite them into the picture and into the story and into the conversation. So here's my takeaway. Here's my challenge to you as you go away from this episode. What can you do to invite the group of friends and family of those you're discipling into the conversation or to encourage them to invite them in? What can you do to do that this week? We'll see you in our next podcast. That's all we've got for this episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at dmmsfrontiermissions.com blog on social media, and please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember, God's dreams for us are always bigger than we can imagine.